Well, please turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter 1.22. 1 Peter 1.22. If you're using the black Bibles that are provided, that can be found on page 1014. Our study through 1 Peter has brought us this morning to chapter 2, verse 2. We already considered verse 1 last week because it related to the command to love one another earnestly. I'll, I'll mention it in passing, verse 1 this morning as well. But I wanted to begin our reading in verse 22 of chapter 1 to give us the context for our main text this morning in, in chapter 2. So I'd ask the congregation to please stand in honor of God's word and follow along as I read beginning in chapter 1, verse 22. Let's hear the word of God together. Again, so thankful for this word that we have. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable Through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word. Please be seated. In his amazing love and grace... We've just read and been reminded once again that God has caused us to be born again through his living and abiding word. By God's enabling, we considered last week that that meant that we responded to the truth of the gospel in obedience, which means repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks to God's grace and God's power and love, we are now new creations Right When you read that, that we've been born again, think new creations. We have new life. Chapter 1 has been describing that new life. It's a life of of hope, we saw in verse 3. It's a life of holiness, we saw in verses 14 through 16. It should be a life of love, as we saw last week in verse 22. And so when we think about that new life that we have in Christ, that life of hope and love and holiness... This sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But the problem is, though we are new creations, we often still commit our old sins. (laughs) It's been said that the Christian life is, could be described this way, a, a battle between living as we truly are as new creations in Christ or living as we truly are as, as children of God and or between living as we used to be before God saved us. That's the Christian life is that battle to be who we are in Christ and not live like our old life. 
For example, we see even in this context, chapter 2, verse 1 says, As Christians, God calls us to put away the sinful behavior of our old life, like malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, those, those harmful, sinful actions that, that hurt relationships. No, instead, we're to love one another earnestly as we've been loved in Christ. Again, God through the Apostle Peter is saying in, in there in verse 1, those are the sins that used to mark you before God saved you, but now you are a new creation. So throw those away. Put them away like old filthy garments that are never to be worn again. But again, the question is how? How do we do that? How can we close that gap between our old selves and living as we truly are in Christ. How can we put away, or as Colossians says, put to death that sin that remains and, and instead put on holy, Christ-like behavior? And really, you could summarize all those questions and boil it down, boil it down to this. How do we grow as a Christian? Well, our passage today answers that question. Our passage today will show us how, by God's grace, we can grow as a Christian. Today, I want to work through verses 2 and 3 of, of chapter 2 by looking at the command from God, by noticing a couple of reasons for the command, and then also an illustration from the text. So if you're taking notes, that's how I'm going to kind of break down these verses. First, the command. And I summarize the command this way. Crave God's word. Crave God's word. Look at verse 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That verb long for means to desire with great intensity. We are to crave this pure spiritual milk with the same intensity that a newborn baby craves its mother's milk. Well, what is this pure spiritual milk? It's the word of God. It's the gospel. It's the same word through which we were born again. That word trans that's translated spiritual there in verse 2 is logikos, taken from the Greek word logos, which means word. And Paul seems to be using that word spiritual logikos to make a connection to the living and abiding logos of God, word of God. So he seems to be making a connection there, but... In addition to that, there's no doubt that Peter's argument in chapter 2 flows from the end of chapter 1. Notice how verse 1 begins. <laughs> so, right, the so in verse 1 shows us that verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2 are connected to verses 22 through 25 of chapter 1. And remember, in, at the end of chapter 1, Peter explained that God caused us to be born again through the living and abiding word of God. Again, think about what that was like for you. How God caused you to be born again through the word of God. Whether it was through a, a preacher or, or someone telling us the gospel. Or, or maybe we read it for ourselves. However it occurred, God intersected our lives with his word. With the gospel. With the good news that Jesus lived and died and rose again in the place of sinners. With the good news that Jesus has defeated sin and death and that now the Lord Jesus is reigning and he grants forgiveness of sin and eternal life 
to all who forsake their sin and by faith embrace him as Savior and Lord. The Spirit of God took that good news and through that good news, through that word of truth, he gave us the new birth. He replaced our dead stony hearts with new hearts of faith. He freed us from bondage to sin and united us to Christ through faith. He gave us new life. Life eternal. Remember, it's life eternal because it comes not from perishable seed, but from the living and abiding word of God. And again, we considered all that last week. But what Peter's saying is our new birth came through the word of God, and he's telling us now that we are Christians, keep longing for that same word of God. Don't set it aside. Rather, crave it. Long for it intensely. Desire it like a newborn infant. We've probably all seen a newborn baby that's hungry and crying. (laughs) They will not be calmed down until they are fed. That's their desire. That's their focus. They are intensely desiring, craving their mother's milk. And Peter says we are to crave God's word with the same intensity. We are to long for God's word. Why? Why do we need to crave God's word? Well, Peter gives the reason in verse 2. This is the first reason. Long for the pure spiritual milk. Here's the reason. That by it you may grow up into salvation. Or you could say it this way. The reason is that you may grow as a Christian. Christians are to be growing. Did you know that? (laughs) Christians are to be growing. We're to be growing in our knowledge of and love for the Lord. We're to be growing in our obedience to and delight in the Lord. Simply put, we are to be growing to become more like Christ. Ephesians 4.13. Peter calls it growing up into salvation. And he says that growth happens through the pure spiritual milk. Again, same way we are born again. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and does the work of God. And he continues to do that in the life of of Christians. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and grows us in our maturity, in our Christ-likeness, in our love for and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter calls it growing up into salvation. And he says that growth happens through the pure spiritual milk. Again, look at verse 2. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, that milk, (laughs) you may grow up into salvation. And again, the, the picture is so clear for us, isn't it? Just as the mother's milk causes an infant to grow and mature, we grow up into salvation by God by God's word, by the gospel. And so Peter says, crave God's word. (laughs) Crave the pure spiritual milk of the gospel. And please understand, this is not just for baby Christians. I know elsewhere Paul will use an analogy, but in a different way. He'll say, you know, you're still on milk. You should be on solid food. He's talking about they need to mature. But, But Peter here is not making that distinction. He's saying all of us, no matter how long you've been a Christian, crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. 
It's not just for baby Christians. It's not just for brand new Christians. All Christians should passionately crave God's word so that they may be growing up in their salvation. We're to be growing our whole lives. We're never going to plumb the depths of, of our knowledge of God or our, our, our delight in the Lord, right? We're never on this side of, of Christ's return going to become completely like Christ. There's always room to grow. And it's a, I say it's a joyful growth. It is. I mean, it can be a painful growth, right? Through, through discipline, through trials. But all of that is done in love. And all of that is done to, to purify our hearts, purify our faith. That we would truly cling to what we were made for and, and redeemed for. Christ. Christianity is not just about getting saved from hell and then remaining a baby, our, our, a baby Christian our whole life. Nor is the gospel just about getting us saved from hell and then we move on from the gospel. No. We are to grow in our salvation and we are to mature into Christ-likeness and we're to continue to crave the truth of the gospel, the, the word of God, the whole counsel of God. But keep preaching the gospel to ourselves, meditating on, on the promises of God, plumbing the depths of his grace and, and, and love that he's shown us and continues to show us through the gospel. We are to mature into Christ's likeness. We are, remember what it means to be a disciple? A disciple is a learner. That we are to learn from Christ as we follow him. We're to follow him in order to, to learn from him and become more like him. We're to grow closer to our Lord and Savior. And becoming more and more like him that we may bring glory to his name. Now, unlike our new birth, we do have a part to play in our spiritual growth. Right? New birth, totally a work of God. All we contribute is our sin. But our, our spiritual growth, we have a part to play. It's, it's certainly it's God who grows us, but we are called to put away sinful behavior and long for the pure spiritual milk. We are to work out our own salvations, Philippians 2.12. Why? Because it is God who works in us. And right here in Peter, our part is to long for the pure spiritual milk. To abide, abide in Christ and have his words abide in us. Like I mentioned last week, verse 1 kind of is a transition verse because it certainly pertains to the previous section of loving one another earnestly. But, but Peter's also using it now in chapter 2 to, to set up a contrast. Notice, we're to put away what we would call deceitful behavior, right? And instead crave for the milk that is pure. Meaning, without deceit. Right? Impure milk is dangerous. I can't recall exactly, but it's, it, it seems like in somewhere in my memory, you know, every once in a while you'll hear about, you know, a, a batch of formula on the sh that's being sold that was, something's wrong with it, right? That's bad. Impure milk for the Christian is false teaching. Impure milk is a distorted or watered-down gospel. And we know such impure milk is readily available today. But it will not help Christians grow. In fact, it can harm Christians by, and stunt their growth. 
And in his second letter, Peter will actually um, warn them about false teaching. 2 Peter 2.1, but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, he says. And so sadly, there is much false or watered-down teaching available today. But praise God, there's also a lot of good, solid teaching available today. And so we need discernment. May God give us discernment to what we're bring, taking into our hearts and minds. May we make sure that we are taking in sound biblical teaching. This pure milk is what will help us put away remaining sin. It is what will enable us by the work of the Spirit to grow into Christ-likeness. And so let us um, seek out sound teaching. So many good podcasts out there. Preaching God's Word. And of course, a big part of us longing for pure spiritual milk is us personally reading and studying and meditating and memorizing Scripture ourselves. We're to long for it. We're to desire it intensely. Illustration time. And we've already been, been mentioning that, haven't we? We've already referenced the picture a couple of times. The image Peter gives is of a newborn infant craving its mother's milk. That's a perfect picture of what our attitude is to be with God's word. Because newborn infants not only illustrate that intense desire, right? They want to be fed when they want to be fed. But they also picture the connection between taking in milk and growth. Right? What do newborn infants do as they feed? (laughs) They grow. Healthy babies grow. Healthy Christians grow. Newborn infants crave their mother's milk and they crave it often and they want to feed several times a day. And as they do that, they grow. That's a sign of their health. That's why you take them in for their checkups, right? One month and three month and four month, whatever, whatever month intervals it is. Make sure they're growing. And if they're not, it's a red flag. Something's wrong. And we experienced this with our first child, Paige. She never was a real interested eater, (laughs) at least as a baby, right? And um, I had to verify this, the exact dates with Melissa, but between her four-month and six-month checkup, we took her in at six months, and the doctor's like, "Um, she's gotten longer, but she hasn't gotten any heavier. And he, you know, this was a concern. She's, she's not growing like she should. And it's because she wasn't craving <laughs> her mother's milk. She was distracted. <laughs> she was content to take a quick sip and then be done. And it stunted her growth. And so we had to work on it. Christians are to be growing. And we grow by craving the pure spiritual milk. What a picture that is of a a baby that is single-minded, that is focused, that is saying, I want this, I need this. 
What about you today? Peter gives us a picture here of of what it should look like, of what our relationship to God's word should look like. How would you describe your desire for God's word? How would you describe your intake of God's word? Would you use words like long for? Would you use words like crave? Would you use words like desire intensely? Do you crave God's word? Do you intensely desire solid biblical teaching? Or are you content with a quick sip of God's word? A, a, kind of a nibble once in a while. A passing nibble, come to church, get a, get a meal. I'm good for another week. Oh, loved ones. We won't grow that way. We won't grow that way if that's all the the time we spend craving God's word. We need to spend intentional, unhurried time with the Lord. We need to work hard at not allowing other things to distract us. Not allowing other things to cut short our time of feasting on God's word. Again, the, the illustration is so poignant for me because that's exactly what was happening to Paige. She wanted to look all around rather than nurse. <laughs> she was being distracted. And so she wasn't growing. How easy that is for Christians, isn't it? Because we live in a, a world, a, a, a whole world system that is, is led by God's enable, or, um, allowment right now by the prince of the power of the evil one, right? Prince of the power of the air, the evil one. So the, the whole motive, the whole uh, thrust of the world is to distract us from what's true, from what's eternal, from what is good and pure. May God help us. May God help us. May God help you today. Be intentional. Pick a, pick a, a time, a plan, a place where you are going to feast on God's word. I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm talking about disciplining, disciplining ourselves for godliness, like Timothy. Paul says in Timothy. I've heard it many times. It's highly unlikely we're going to spend time, the time we need in God's word unless we have a plan, a place, and a time. Have a routine. I'm going to spend time with the Lord before breakfast. I'm going to spend time with the Lord on my lunch hour. Whenever it is. Like newborn infants, we should crave God's word regularly so that we will grow as Christians. Ask for the Lord's help, right? Say, God, please help me. Please forgive me for neglecting your word. Please help me to crave your word. Peter gives a second reason, and I, I trust the second reason will, will be an encouragement to us. He gives a second reason for longing for the pure spiritual milk of, of the word of God. Not only should we long for it because that's how we grow, but we're to long for it because you have tasted that the Lord is good. Look at verse 3. He says, 
if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In the original language, this is what's called a first-class conditional, which implies that the condition is taken as a fact. So it's equivalent, or another way you could say it and be accurate is, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter's writing to believers. He knows that by God's grace they have tasted that the Lord is good. They've experienced his goodness. And so he's drawing on that. He's reminding them of that. that. He's saying, since you have tasted that the Lord is good, crave the word so that you can enjoy his goodness more and more. Taste that the Lord is good, he says. You know he's good. You remember those times. You're you're never sorry for, for unhurried, intentional time in the word of God. I mean, do you ever come away from that and say, well, man, I wish I would have been scrolling through the web instead. You know? Man, I could have been checking out some more videos on social media, but no, I spent time in God's word. We don't don't say that, do we? No. Because when we do, by God's grace, spend time in God's word, we're blessed. And I understand there's some days are maybe uh, more intimate than others, but but we're blessed, we're strengthened, we're reminded. That phrase, taste that the Lord is good. Peter didn't come up with that, did he, on his own? So we heard it this morning in the call to worship, right? Peter takes that phrase from Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, David is praising God for his deliverance from the hands of the, of the Philistine king. And, at the, and the psalm ends, Psalm 34 ends with David. He's been praising God for his present deliverance, but that psalm ends with him looking forward to the Lord's ultimate deliverance from his enemies. And no doubt the Spirit of God led Peter to reference this psalm now in this letter as he writes to the scattered Christians who are going through trials and suffering. David experienced the goodness of the Lord in the midst of suffering, and so he invites everyone, he invites the believers to taste and see that the Lord is good. Those those Christians in Asia Minor, they've experienced the the goodness of God in saving them and sustaining them through through trials. And so he's reminding them of, of that, and he's telling them, and he's telling us, all Christians, that we can look forward not only to God's sustaining grace, not only to experiencing his goodness even in the midst of present-day trials, but that we also can look forward to Christ's return when we will be fully and finally delivered from our trials, when we will be fully and finally delivered from pain, sin, and death, when we will receive our promised inheritance that he's been talking about in chapter 1, when we will experience the goodness of the Lord like never before. Think about it, loved ones. We're going to have all eternity to taste and then to see the goodness of the Lord. And so Peter urges them, he urges us, since you have experienced the goodness of the Lord, since that's what you're headed for, to to bask in the goodness of the Lord, crave God's word now so that you will grow into your salvation, so that you will experience now the goodness of the Lord. 
so that you'll be able to rejoice and revel in the goodness of the Lord as you look forward to, to Christ's return. And so I love this reason because as much as, as, as motivating as it is to talk about growth, and especially when we talk about the fact that we grow so that we may bring glory to God, this also reminds us that growth and craving God's word, it's about knowing and enjoying God. So I love this phrase, right? Taste, or now that you've tasted the goodness of the Lord. That's what the Christian life is about. That's what growth is about. <laughs> this is the growth we are after. We want to grow closer to our triune God. We know God by his grace, through his word. And the more time we spend in God's word, the more we will know and enjoy God. The more we enjoy God, the more we will grow in holiness. Knowing God's character, rejoicing in his promises, helps us to trust him through trials. It helps us to please him when we're tempted to please our, our old sinful flesh. It, 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 growing in the knowledge of God's word helps us to hope in God instead of the world's fake and deceiving substitutes. It causes us to be zealous for God's glory, to be zealous for the growth of God's kingdom rather than living for the fleeting things of this world. It helps us keep our eyes fixed on Christ as we long for Christ's return. So he says, since you have tasted that the Lord is good, crave the word. Experience his goodness again and again. Yes, I know it, it requires discipline, and I know, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, we, we, we have to kind of beat our bodies into subjection, as Paul says, to do it. But at the same time, may God give us a desire to be with him, right? Yes, it takes some, some discipline. It may take some caffeine if you do it first thing in the morning, but, but man, it, it's some joy there, Right? Don't you love God? Don't, haven't you tasted that he is good? Don't you want to spend more time with him then? If you don't crave God's word, if you're not craving that pure spiritual milk, it may be that you're taking in so much of the world's milk <laughs> that it, you're not hungry, right? It hasn't left any room to hunger after God's word. It's like if we fill up with junk food all the time, we're not going to be hungry at supper time, even though the junk food is not doing us any good. It's not going to help us grow and be healthy. But it, it kind of fills the space so that we don't take part and feast in what is good and healthy. And the same thing can happen to us spiritually. So if, that, if you suspect that's your situation, then I encourage you, evaluate everything you are taking into your heart and mind. What's a typical day? What's a typical week look like for me? What, what all am I consuming? I mean, I listen to podcasts all the time. And so I need to evaluate, what am I listening to? How much of it is sports? How much of it is news? Or how much of it is God's word, preaching? So evaluate, what are you taking in? Obviously, cut out anything that would quench your love for the Lord, anything that would serve as a substitute for him. Remember, we talked about we're to hope in God, not hope in the things of this world. 
But if what you're taking in keeps causing you to be anxious and to put, put your hope in the country or in the economy or whatever, cut that out. It's not doing you any good. Rather, crave God's word. Cut out anything that quenches your love for the Lord, serves as a substitute for him. And also, even if it's benign, we may need to cut back our intake of other things in order to give priority to generously craving God's word. Like I said, there's only so much time. There's only so much bandwidth in the, in the brain, right? So, I mean, if we're filling it up with, with kind of nonsense, maybe not sinful stuff, but just nonsense, that doesn't leave time to crave God's word. If you don't crave God's word, it could be that you've forgotten that the Lord is good. Remember, what, what is the devil always trying to do? What did he do to Eve? He's always trying to get us to doubt the goodness of God, to doubt God's generosity, to doubt God's wisdom and plan and faithfulness or whatever. So if we're not actively reminding ourselves of the truth that God is good, that God is faithful, that he's loving, if we're not actively reminding ourselves of that, then we're going to drift into doubt or, or we're going to just forget how good he is. So if you maybe have forgotten that the Lord is good or you don't think about it enough, prayerfully turn to God's pure spiritual milk so that you can taste his goodness all over again. I was reminded of, this is several years ago now, but cornflakes, right? You know, they had a, uh, a line of commercials, right? Taste them again for the first time, you know? Because it's probably one of the oldest cereals around, right? How many of us need to taste the Lord's goodness again for the first time? May we've forgotten. He hasn't changed. Right? Think back to when you were first saved. Think back to times of growth in your life. When you were spending time with the Lord. When you knew you were rejoicing in the goodness of God. You were, you were listening to praise songs that were just reminding you and stirring your heart to praise him. Taste him again for the first time. And here's the beautiful thing, loved ones. Tasting the goodness of the Lord causes us to long for him all the more. <laughs> the more you know, the more you get to know God, the more you're going to long to know him more and more. And so longing to know him more and more will cause us to crave his word all the more. And as we crave his word more, all the more, we see his beauty all the more. We taste his goodness again and again. It's, it's like a beautiful cycle. We're given strength to begin the day. Our souls are satisfied through our time spent with God. It even, it, it's, it's interesting, it, it's like as we spend time with God and his word, it does satisfy our soul. It does give us strength to face the day. But at the same time, it, can, it gives us a hunger. A hunger. Ah, when can I go and be with the Lord again? And then lastly, I'll say, if, if you're here today and you've never tasted the goodness of God, like you can't, you can't remember a time you've tasted the goodness of God. 
then I urge you to turn to Christ today in repentance and faith. We have all been created, every one of us, in the image of God, we've been created with a hunger in our soul that God alone can satisfy. And maybe you're here today and you have tried to, to quench that hunger. You've tried to satisfy that hunger with the buffet that this fallen world promotes. I'm here to tell you, and you've probably experienced it, none of the world's offerings will satisfy that hunger. History shows it. Our experience confirms it. Those who had all that this world has to offer, they often died unsatisfied. They often died just wanting another buck or just wanting more fame or just wanting something. We even have testimony of that in Scripture, the, the life experience of Solomon. So maybe you've tried to satisfy your hunger with the things of this world, but they will not give life to your dead soul. None of the world's offerings can satisfy the hunger and longing of your heart. Only Christ can do that. And Christ loves to do that for sinners like you and me. Christ loves to save. He loves to satisfy. He loves to adopt you. And to come into your life and satisfy the, the, the hunger of your soul to, to fellowship with you forever. He loves to do that. Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So I, I really beg you and encourage you. Turn from trying to live apart from God. Turn from, from trying to feast on the things of this world and come to Christ. Believe in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins. Embrace him as Lord of your life. Taste and see and know that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who takes refuge in him. And you can call out to the Lord right where you are, right now. And we would also love to, to rejoice with you, to help you in any way that we can. So please let us know if God is, is working in your heart today. And I pray that he is. And finally, to my brothers and sisters of Abounding Grace Church, Let's keep craving God's word. Let's keep craving God's word together. In our personal times and when we gather, let's have the word of God dwell among us richly. Again, this world entices us with ice cream, with cotton candy, but feasting on that will hinder our growth and it will make our souls sick. So long for the pure spiritual milk of God's word. Drink deeply from the gospel every day. Let, let's be, let's Abounding Grace Church be a church that is growing in our sanctification to the glory of God. Let us be a church that is tasting the goodness of the Lord again and again. Because as we do that, then we won't be able to help ourselves from sharing with each other and the unbelieving world the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you are good. What a mighty and good and gracious God you are. To, to have given us life and to, to have sent your son and, and given us new life through your spirit. Oh God, we, Father, we praise you and we thank you for being so good. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for being the good shepherd of our souls, for laying down your life for our sheep, for, for daily uh, caring for us and binding our wounds and carrying us, for being faithful even when we are unfaithful. Spirit, we praise you and thank you for being a good counselor and comforter, keeper, for being that paraclete that comes alongside of us and protects us and helps us and intercedes for us, strengthens us. Forgive us for neglecting you. Forgive us for forgetting how good you are. Oh, cultivate in us a hunger and desire, a growing desire for you, for your word. And may you open the eyes and give new life to any here today that don't know you. May they know and be able to confess and publicly, Jesus is good. He is Lord and Savior. Continue to grow us all our days. For our joy and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing another song of praise. <laughs>